Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. you're here today. If you're not from Colorado, uh, I want to explain something to you. After we get a snowstorm, and especially ones that hit the high country up on the Continental Divide, normally within a day or two, we get into a very clear sky, and it is this beautiful tone of blue. And as you look to the west and you see the high country, you can see the fresh snow. And that's when the snow really glistens and is really bright. And it's this beautiful, sharp contrast between that snow and the sky above it. And it's just beautiful today. That's exactly what we're experiencing here in the front range of Colorado. And uh, we love the snow, but then we also like the beauty of the snow. And it's just wonderful. Well... Welcome to Prayer School. I'm Bruce Conover. My wife and I, we've been pastoring here in uh, Berthoud, Colorado for quite a while. It's good to have you here with us today. We've been talking about what we've heard called the Lord's Prayer. So let's get our Bibles out. I would suggest if you're expecting to hear from God that you've got a piece of paper there and a pen and so that you can write down his thoughts Because when you get into the Word of God, you get to that place where you're hearing with your heart. And so when you catch something, it's not necessarily being caught up here in your mind in that place where you have memory. It's down here in your heart. And so it becomes alive to you and you see it. And within hours after being in the presence of God, it's very common to, to forget what was that the Lord said to me. And so if you had written it down, it'll bring it back to you and you can just pick it right up in your heart at that point. And it's tremendous and it's awesome. Let's go ahead and believe him. We're looking into a book that is spirit and is life. And even though it does contain information, what it does have for us is revelation. And I know that we all have questions. Because every day we're dealing with a new set of challenges and decisions that have to be made. We're looking for knowing who we are because of what Christ has done inside of our heart. What he's provided and what he's willing to do through us. You see, we become Christ on the earth and he works exclusively through his body. That's why he told the disciples and to all further uh, or all future generations after what is written here in Acts, he's telling us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so that means in our home, that means in our sphere of influence where we live, and it's certainly an influence through the church that you belong to, but then we're to support others that are out in that field of mission, as we call it, and they're proclaiming the gospel to a lost and dying world. 
So it's awesome that when we get into this book, it energizes and brings online who we are and what he has for us. And so let's expect that right now. Father, we thank you that you live inside of us. That you, Holy Spirit, you're alive in us and you're our teacher, you're our guide. And we're looking to you. You're the author of this book. And so we're asking you, the author, to begin to show us what we need to see with our hearts. I proclaim that everyone listening, whether it's the live stream or by recording, I say that we have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. That this morning we'll see ourselves in Christ. We'll see who we are on the inside. And we'll begin to see that plan that he has for our life. We claim it in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title of this is Praying the Lord's Prayer. And this will be our fourth installment of it, if I've added correctly. And uh, this, what spawned what we call, and when I say we, I'm talking about Christendom, we, we call the, the Lord's Prayer. That whole thing came about by his disciples asking Jesus, uh, teach us to pray. Obviously, they heard Jesus pray. And they were comparing it to how other people prayed. And so they wanted to pray like him. W wouldn't you like, <laughs> wouldn't you like to pray like Jesus? I know I do. Well, we can learn from his book exactly how to pray and be effective in doing it. Now, when you consider the Lord's Prayer, I know many have taught that you just recite that over and over again. And if that's something that you're doing, if you, if you feel in your heart that the Lord is directing you to do that, then by all means, continue to do so. But also consider something else about what Jesus said. I look at this answer he gave, teach us to pray, when he used that example of what many call uh, prayer, is revealing in a teaching way what the components or the building blocks are of prayer and so it gives us ingredients and it gives us different subjects that we should cover and I've got to say this right out of the gate in this very short and brief illustration of prayer it doesn't cover everything that you and I are going to need to pray about I want I want us to understand that that if if that is the only prayer that I ever prayed in my life then there'll be many areas of my life that would be untouched through prayer. And so understand, again, Jesus was the master teacher, and he was teaching them by example how to pray and the ingredients thereof of a kind of prayer that God can answer. And so that's what we're doing. We're taking that prayer and we're extracting out of it principles. And then also subject matter that, that we should be uh, praying about. So the first component we've already looked at is that we're praying to the Father God, the, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice how Jesus began in Matthew 6, 9, and that is one place that this prayer is found. 
He says, our Father, I like that. I mean, it's personal. We, we, we have a, a personal relationship with God. And that's what's so wonderful about Christianity. It's personal. He says, our Father, which art in heaven. And so understand that first and foremost, when we pray, and we're talking about any kind of prayer, whether it be the prayer of faith, whether it be the prayer of intercession, whether it be the prayer of worship, whether it be the prayer of agreement, we are to go to God the Father. And we'll see that we go a certain way, but let's just, just, let's just go right there that number one, Jesus is teaching us how to pray and saying, you pray to the Father. That means that we don't pray to Jesus. We don't pray to the Holy Spirit. Now, we have a relationship with Jesus. We worship Jesus. Uh, we follow the, the voice of the Holy Spirit. But we don't pray to those two entities. God set it up that all prayer was to be to him. And so I want to show you an example of that in Scripture over in John's Gospel. That would be chapter 15. Now, I just made the statement that all prayer is to the Father. But we come a particular way to the Father. Understand that the, the only reason that you and I have access to God the Father is because we have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. And so we're entering that relationship of covenant through Jesus, and that's what gives us access to the Father. Notice what is said here in John chapter 15. I'm looking briefly at verse 16, John 15, 16. He says, whatsoever you shall ask. So whatsoever means every type of prayer or every time you pray that you're going to approach the throne, you're going to approach God this way. He says, whatsoever you shall ask the Father. Notice it doesn't say ask Jesus. You notice it doesn't say ask the Holy Spirit. You notice it doesn't say ask some saint. You see, a, a lot of religions, and even in the Christian category of religion, They've embellished on a lot of things that aren't in Scripture. <laughs> and it sounds good, and, and, and to the mind and the intellect, it makes sense. But, you know, if it doesn't tell us to do something from Scripture, then we have no business doing it. We want to structure everything that we do, including prayer, according to the Word of God. You see, God put in this book everything that we would need. He put everything in this book to teach us how to pray effectively. Prayers that God can answer. And so John's telling us, whatsoever you shall ask the Father, and then he tells us how to approach the Father in my name or in the name of Jesus. So all prayer is to the Father in Jesus name and when you use that name of Jesus what you're doing is you're accessing everything that Jesus purchased for you 
And one of those things that he purchased uh, for you is that you could go before the Father and ask of him things that, that you need. You, and then you can be assured as long as we're praying according to the will of God, which is the word of God, that he will respond and we'll have what we've asked of him. So first and foremost, all prayers to the Father in Jesus' name. The second component of prayer is here in that same verse 9 of Matthew 6. Jesus says, Hallowed or holy is your name. Now, understand that this hallowed word really isn't, I'm not sure that I've ever used it in my everyday vernacular. It's, it's a King James word. So it's a word, an English word that was used in common 500 years ago. But for us, we're not using that today in our culture. So understand that prayer is to be before the Father in a, a respectful, in, in a reverent way. The Bible also talks about having the fear of God. Fear of God is just not something that you're afraid of like a snake, but there, it's a reverent, it's a, it's a respect. You understand that he alone is God and I'm not. <laughs> and so we go before him in such a way is that we, we're, per, we're perceiving who we're talking to. I mean, if you're talking to someone that you know is very important, you're, you're gonna talk to them differently then you're going to talk to your buddy on the job site. And so understand that he's saying that you need to come before God in a worshipful way, in a reverent way, in a respectful way. Notice what it says here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. He says, in everything, and he's talking about whatever need you have. You know, there's those that have told us, well, God's kind of busy, you know. He's got this universe he's got to uphold. Uh, his, his day timer is just filled with a lot of things he's got to do today. So you really shouldn't talk to God. You shouldn't pray or ask for something unless it's really important or if it's something spiritual. Well, then they should have said that here in Philippians 4, 6. Notice what it does say. It says, in everything. So, now, don't laugh, but I pray about parking spots when I pull into Wally World. God has a place for me. As I, he knows I was going there. He, he's got a special spot for me. So I, in everything, I just say, Lord, well, I thank you for my parking spot. I thank you for leading me to it right now. See, he, he's not too busy. He's not a man in whom he has limitations. He's God, and he has no limits. He's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, and he's everywhere at the same time. And he's in every realm of time. Past, present, future. That's why it says of the Holy Spirit is that he'll show you things to come. He already knows the future. And he looks in the past and he brings all things to our remembrance. It's wonderful having a relationship with the eternal God. Woo! 
And so he says in everything, how? By prayer, so that's to the Father in Jesus' name. It says with thanksgiving, with the appreciation that you have access to him, the appreciation that you can ask for what you need, and the appreciation that he'll not only hear you, but he'll answer you. I'll tell you, being in a relationship with God through Jesus is awesome. And we, you and I have yet to get anywhere close to accessing everything he's able to do for us. But you know we're getting there day by day as we grow in the things of God. All right, the third component that we're extracting from this example of prayer Jesus gave us is understand that prayer creates God's will on the earth. And having said that, we also need to understand that right now, not everything that happens on the earth is the will of God. Now, for some, that's, that's hard to fathom because you've been taught, taught just the opposite of that. But truth be told, not everything that's happening on this earth is the Lord's will. And that's why Jesus said in his example of prayer, I want you to pray that God's will would be done. Didn't say God's will is being done. No, he says, ask that God's will will be done on earth. In comparison to what? In comparison of the will of God that's being done in heaven. You see, what's going on in heaven, every aspect of it, is the will of God. And that's because God has complete control of the kingdom of heaven. Complete and total control of it. But that's not the case down here on earth. I think that's pretty obvious. I mean, I went through, I'm over in terms of seeing it on the even for multiple years. And seeing in the newspaper and in, and in uh, Life magazine. And there's no way that I could think that a loving God who sent Jesus to us to take our place, that that war and the violence of war and the destruction of war is the will of God. If it is, I don't want anything to do with a God like that. Thank goodness that war and things similar to that are not the will of God. We're living in an environment right now where the enemy, the, this enemy of God, this fallen archangel, who we call Lucifer, uh, Satan, the devil, the accuser of the brethren, the, the deceiver, he is using us to attack God. And so we live in a fallen world. There are, there are two kingdoms now, two spiritual kingdoms, at odds with one another, and that is the devil's kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God's Son, Jesus Christ, the kingdom of light. And so they're enraged and battled against each other, and we're in the fray. And so understand that Jesus is saying, I want you to pray because I need you to create what's going on in heaven to be here down on earth. And that's exactly what he's saying. He says, thy will be done, in Matthew 6, 10, thy will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. So understand that God doesn't use prayer in our behalf for us to figure out what God's will is. I don't ask for healing thinking that I'll know whether it's God's will or not dependent on whether I'm healed or not. In the same way, I don't go to prayer and say, Lord, if it be your will, save me. No, in order to create God's will on the earth as it is in heaven, you have to know what the will is first. Let me show you that. Go to 1 John <clears throat> chapter 5. And this is a long introduction. I, I believe we need it. We, we need, we've had so much teaching on what Jesus said in teaching on prayer that we've been blinded to what he's really saying and revealing to us. Look over here. John, this is the letter of John or the epistle of John. He wrote three of them. We're in the first letter, way towards the back before Jude and Revelations. And it says that in the 14th verse, he says that we have a confidence in him. And that would be God the Father. That if we ask anything according to his will. Notice that all prayer, except for the prayer that you're asking, what is the will for your own personal life? What am I supposed to do for you, Lord? Remember, that was the prayer that Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He didn't know. He, he saw where he was headed. He saw himself on the cross. He saw himself taking our place. He saw himself being separated from God in our trespasses and sins. And so he went and asked, Lord, what is thy will? That's the only time in prayer that you use the word if. And so he... You do that because you're discovering what God's will is. Just like I did years ago. Lord, I sense that you have a call in my life. I sense that you, you have made me a pastor. And, and I said, I just did what Jesus did. I said, well, I'm willing to do that if that's what you want. But he's not talking about that kind of prayer in this verse 14 of 1 John 5. He's telling us that we've already discovered his will in the word of God. And now we're praying according to that known will of God, which obviously isn't happening in my own personal life. So I'm asking that it would so that the will of heaven would be done in my life in that area on the earth. Now, check this out. He says, if you if you ask anything according to his will, according to his word, notice it says he hears us. We can have confidence that God hears us when we pray, when we pray according to the word of God. Then in verse 15, he says, if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, according to the word of God, we know that we have. That's the creating of God's will in heaven down here on earth. And that is awesome. Now, the fourth component of this prayer that Jesus used to teach us to pray is that God is revealing to us that we can go to him and ask him for our own personal needs. Let me say this again. This prayer reveals that God is willing for us to come to him and ask him for our personal needs to be met on the earth. 
And that's talking about all the way across the board. That's talking about spiritual needs. That's talking about mental, emotional needs. That's talking about physical needs, like food, clothing, transportation, housing. And then he also covers so many other areas of our life in the way of need. I may be traveling, I need protection. There is just so much that he's willing to do for us. We just discover what those areas are here in the Word of God. Now, notice what he says in Matthew 6, 11. So this is where we are here this morning in our teaching. This fourth component is that we can ask God for our personal needs. And that's what Jesus is saying in verse 11, Matthew 6, give us, and again, he's talking to the Father, give me today my daily bread. Or give me today that which I need for this day. And it's talking primarily about physical and natural needs. Now, isn't it comforting to know that God is mindful of the needs that I have on the earth? That I, that I need shelter. I, I need food. I, I need transportation. I need clothing. That's how big our God is. Now, in this same chapter 6, there's a beautiful illustration of how God cares for us. Or should I say, is willing to care for us. Understand these things just don't happen because it's God's will. That's not what the Bible teaches. All right? So here in Matthew 6, go down to the 30th verse. And so what God begins to do in this 6th uh, chapter is he begins to paint us a picture of his creation. And he begins to talk to us about, look at the birds, fields, and the, and the, the growth of plants in that field. And those are natural things. Those are things that are passing away. And so you're so much more valuable to God than his creation. For the simple reason is that this creation is temporary. It has a shelf life like that bottle of milk in your refrigerator. It's going to expire someday. But you are an eternal spirit. God made you of the same class that he is. Now, you're not a God, obviously, but you're like God in terms of you will live forever. Your spirit is not locked into the realm of time. It's only in this realm of time because it's in a body here on the earth in this realm of time. Your spirit, when it leaves your body through separation, it's, it's going to go in the presence of the Lord and you're going to be with him forever. You can't even calculate the length of time that you're going to be in his presence. It's eternity. That's why our relationship with him is so important. You got to get that settled down here before you leave. Amen. Now look here. He's talking about the grass of the field. He's, he's looking over this beautiful view 
of maybe these rolling hills and it's just covered with this grass that's blowing in the wind. And he says, if God will clothe the grass of the field, if he'll take care of a plant, look at this, which today is and tomorrow is gone, is cast into the oven. So he's telling us, he's illustrating to us that, that he'll, if he'll take care of things that he does. What do you mean the extravagant, extravagantness? Well, he's holding the entire universe in the palm of his hand. He's making sure that the sun comes up every day so that plant can survive. He's making sure that this atmosphere isn't leaking and all of our oxygen's going away. He's going to great lengths for, from keeping meteors and stars and everything else out there in, in space from colliding with us. And so if he's going to do all that for something that's temporary, he says here, shall he not much more? Listen to that. Shall God the Father not much more clothe you? So if he clothed this hill with green grass, beautiful green grass, how much more is he going to find a jacket for you to wear, provide clothing for you? It's, it's, it's a tremendous thought, isn't it? How much more will he clothe you? And then he, he uses the expression, O ye of little faith. So if you're concerned about how this is going to happen and where am I going to get this clothing and where am I going to get this food, you're not trusting in him. That's what faith is. Faith is simply trusting God. So in this moment, if you're all worried about how you're going to have your need met, that you're not really in that position of trust. Now, in that verse, he's making a de declaration. I'm sure you saw it, but let's go over it. He's saying that he'll provide for you. When he said, shall he not much more take care of you? How much more he will clothe you? That's very direct. That's very, uh, uh, how do I want to say it? There isn't any sway between whether he's willing to do it or not. It's saying that he will, he will clothe you. And that's why he tells us not to worry about these things that we have need of. So we're in that 30th verse of Matthew 16, or 6, Matthew 6, 31 is the next one. Therefore, take no thought. He says, therefore, don't worry. Again, this comes back to trust. Myself in this place of worry, concern, anxiety, fear. I mean, there's so many different adjectives that really describe what he's saying in terms of take no thought. See, thoughts will come. We can't control the thoughts that come to our life. However, we, we can control what we get obsessed with in terms of our thoughts. See, you can just have a thought and then you just begin to over-process it and then it gets to a place where it becomes a concern. You start worrying about it. You're anxious. You're stressed. And then it develops into more than that. He says, don't do that. 
He's telling us, don't ask, what am I going to eat? Again, that's a lack of trust. He says, or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall I be clothed? And then he compares us, a believer who worries, to someone who doesn't know the Lord, who doesn't have a relationship with God, who is untaught in the things and the principles of God. We call him an unbeliever. He compares us to an unbeliever and he says that if we're worrying, then we're no better or no different than those that don't have God. Wow, that's pretty strong. He goes on to say in verse 32, For after all these things, and these are all the things that he's described in Matthew chapter 6, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, all those different natural needs that every human being has in life. He says, all those things that you're desiring, need, and want, that's what the world is seeking. It says Gentiles, those without God. Now, here comes a statement that is profound. It says that your heavenly father, you see the Gentiles don't have a heavenly father, but you do. And so because you have a relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ, you don't have to be consumed with fear and worry and disparity. He makes a statement about God. He says, your heavenly father knows. King James says, knoweth. What does the father knoweth? that you have need of all these things. Now, get a picture of God. It says that he already knows what you need. He already knows what I need. Now, that being the case, don't you think that if he knew that in this day, January 28th, 2022, that he knew what my need would be today. And in anticipation of that, he's already provided for me before I need it. That's the way that you and I need to look at this. Too many times we're considering when we have a need, well, God's going to have to get busy. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. So I want us to, to expand on this knowing that he, he has, that he already, knows, <clears throat> he already knows what we need. Therefore, him being the God that he is, then he's already made a way for us to have it. And that's the sole reason that God sent Jesus into the world. so that you and I could enter into a covenant with him so that he could supply all that we need. So because God has already anticipated what you would need today, he's already provided, provided it for you 2,000 years ago. Hallelujah. Remember, if I call upon the name of the Lord today to be saved, 
He doesn't send Jesus to the cross today. No, I'm receiving what he provided 2,000 years ago when Jesus died in my place. You see, receiving from God is not hit there in that moment. It's receiving what he's already provided. That's why you and I don't have to be concerned. Is God going to answer this prayer? Well, yeah, he answered it 2,000 years ago. And now you're just receiving it today. Let, let me show you some scriptures. I, I know this, this may be something that you never thought of. You never perceived. Your mind's going, what, what in the world is he talking about? Well, <laughs> let's look at a couple of scriptures, and, and that's going to help us. Going over to Ephesians chapter 1. Now, we're talking about the Lord supplying our needs. That's a part of what Jesus was explaining in that example of prayer. So in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, notice what it says here. Blessed be who? The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice what God has done. Who hath blessed us? Now I know that's King James and we don't use this word half. But we could say, who has blessed us? So what tense is that? When, when did this event of blessing us take place? Well, has, or hath in this King James Version, is past tense. It's something that he has already done. So it says that he has blessed us, what did he bless us with? All. Now that's, that's significant. That, that encompasses everything. If it's all, he's talking to every blessing that you would need. Remember, he already knows what you have need of. He knew what you would need today. And that's why he provided it yesterday. Now today is just our part of receiving what he's already given us. So it says that he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Now, people will look at that and say, well, you know, that's great and all, but I, I need natural blessings. Well, understand that every natural blessing comes from this unseen spiritual realm. Your healing for your physical body comes from the spiritual realm and then is transferred into the physical realm. So are your financial needs. So is the need, you know, the, the, the meeting the need of what you're going to wear and, and what you're going to eat. See, God is a spirit. And it says that your blessings are in heavenly places in Christ. So everything that we need is in heaven. Remember, we're asking the Lord that his will that's already in heaven, that includes all the blessings that he's already blessed you with. And when you pray, you're bringing that heavenly blessing down. And then if it's a natural need, it'll be birthed into that natural realm. And that's how God's kingdom works. But I want you to remember that he has already blessed us with all spiritual blessings, all right? Now look at 2 Peter, and I gotta wrap this up. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. 
It says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Now, if I asked each one of us, do we want that? Do we want grace multiplied? We want peace multiplied to us. Every one of our hands would go up. Yeah, I want some more of that. I want more grace. I want more peace. Well, he tells us how to get it. Be multiplied to you. How? Through the knowledge of God. Through the knowledge of Jesus our Lord. That's talking about his book. If I have a lack of what I appear to have a lack of grace in my life, if I have a need for more peace in my life, then all I got to do is get the knowledge of God and Jesus through the Word of God. You see, many times we think God can just, okay, I'm going to give you grace, and give it to us. No. Oh, Lord, I need peace. Here you go. That's not how it works. There's something that we always have to do on our side. Yes, God has, has given it. He's willing to give it to us, but we have to learn how to take it. We need to learn how to receive it. We need to know how to bring it into our life. And it says it comes through knowledge of what he's given from the word of God. Understand that that's all faith is. Faith is simply the knowledge of the word of God. That's why faith comes by hearing the word of God and by and through the word of God. Now look at this. We haven't even got to the good part yet. Verse 3. It says that his divine power, that's talking about unlimited power. Here's that word has, has given. Doesn't say will give, doesn't say might give, doesn't say if you cross your fingers long enough you'll get it. No, it says that this is something that God has already given. He has given us Here's this big word again, everything. Remember, he already knows what you need. And that's why he uses big words like that. He encompasses everything that you're going to need. He has given us everything required for life. That's naturally speaking. And godliness, that's spiritually speaking. Pertaining to your natural life. And speaking about your spiritual life. You see, he's covered the whole gamut of what you and I would need. Again, look how it comes. <laughs> if this isn't motivation to get into the Word of God, I don't know what is. Through the knowledge of Him. Through the knowledge of the Word of God. Because he tells us quite clearly in Hebrews chapter 1 that he speaks to us today in this dispensation of grace through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the word. So he speaks to us through the word of God. He's given us these things through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and his own goodness. Can you say woo-hoo? Now go on over here to Philippians 4.19 and I'll shut her down. Philippians 4.19. It says, but my God. Who's God? Well, who is his God? It's the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
but my God will do what? Shall supply. Again, notice the exertion and the, the, the way that he's saying this. He, he didn't say, it doesn't say sometimes supplies. It doesn't say <laughs> if you're good enough, he'll supply. You see, all these things that God does for us is based on what Jesus has done, not what I have done. That's why it's called grace. He doesn't give to me because I'm a goody two-shoes. He gives to me because I'm a part of Christ. And he's accounting my righteousness to his righteousness. The only way that I've been made righteousness is it's been the righteousness of Jesus that's been bestowed upon me like a robe. It's his righteousness. And God, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. My righteousness is because of what Jesus did. I don't go before him anticipating, well, I'm going to get this because I've done this for him, and I've done that, and oh, look at me. Well, that's the wrong approach to God. You're not, you're not approaching him through the knowledge of his word. Hallelujah. It's, it's in him. It's in Jesus I live, and I move, and I have my being. So God is extending all these things because I am in Christ. And now he's giving it to me because I've embraced his son as my savior. And now I'm a part of the family and I have a part of all that God has for me. Glory to God. So my God's your need. Can't say that enough. See, religion will say, well, yeah, you can get a crumb over here, and, and you can get a crumb over here, and, and you might, I don't know, but you, this could happen over here. No. Just think about the prodigal son or the man with two sons. Both the son that stayed with the father and the son that went and squandered his inheritance as to all the father had. Because as soon as the second son came back and got right with his father, he, he killed the fatted calf. He put the robe of righteousness upon him. He gave him a ring, which was a way to purchase anything he would go out and need. And then the other son comes to him and says, man, I'm not going to that party for that kid. He went out and squandered all this and all that. And look, here, you're giving him all this stuff. You never killed the fatted calf for me and my bunch. And the father said something amazing. He said, son, all that I have is yours. Wow. Our heavenly father. And he had given all things to both of them. Even after the one failed, he still got it. Praise God. We're <laughs> Our God is amazing. And he wants you to be blessed. He wants you to have your needs. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. Praise God. And so that's what Jesus is saying. In this prayer I have daily bread for you I have whatever you need in every day that you get in and it'll take care of you mentally emotionally financially physically 
whatever it might be. That's what Jesus provided for us. His death, his burial, and his resurrection. Aren't you glad? I said, aren't you glad? Let's thank him right now. Father, we're so thankful that we don't have to be beggars. I thank you, Lord, that we don't have to go without. I thank you, Lord, that you've already provided all that we would need today and every day hereafter. Because you're God. And you knew what we would need. Help us to encourage ourselves with these scriptures that are so clear that you have blessed us, that you do supply all of our needs, pertain to life and godliness. Wow. <laughs> not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it, but because you have loved us and gave it to us freely through your Son. We give you thanks, and we give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll just remember where we left off this morning. We'll get back in here the next time. I want you to realize, according to the word of God, you are blessed. That means you and I can go. Go ahead and do it. See you next time. Bye-bye.